Hey there, this is Brian. I'm the host of the Engaging Missions show. If you've found this show for the first time, I did want to take a second to let you know that this show is not currently in production. You're certainly welcome to check out all of the archives, but we don't have new episodes coming out at the moment. However, I did want to take a second to highlight one of the sponsors that sponsored the show a while ago. They're not currently sponsoring the show, but if you're looking for a place to invest in the kingdom, I'd recommend checking out Mega Voice Audio Bibles. You can find them at megavoice.com, or you'll find a link in the show notes. And I would encourage you to just check that out and see if maybe that's a fit for your giving. There's no compensation here or anything like that. I just wanted to highlight them. And with that, I'll get you back into the regular program. Welcome to the Engaging Mission Show with Brian Ensminger. We are bringing missions home. Each week, we hear from missionaries, ministry leaders, disciple makers, and church planters as they share about God's work in their lives and ministries. Like us, they are ordinary people who serve an extraordinary God. Ladies and gentlemen, here's your host, Brian Ensminger. All right, let's get started. Our guest today grew up in Indiana. He served as a youth pastor and a teacher for about seven years before being sent out from Calvary Chapel to be a missionary to St. Kitts, which is an island east of the Dominican Republic and north of Venezuela. He and his family are serving alongside the pastors, the elders, and the lay people in St. Kitts to equip and to mobilize the church to make disciples. They want to see St. Kitts become the modern-day Antioch of the Caribbean. We're welcoming Jordan McGay to the show. Jordan, thanks so much for being with us. We're really glad that you're here. Yeah, Brian, it's a pleasure to be able to, to hang out with you tonight. So, Jordan, as we get started, we just want to get to know you a little bit better. We're going to go ahead and spend the first portion of our interview trying to connect with you a little bit to understand a, a little bit more who you are before we ever start talking about the ministry and what God's been sure. doing in that. I understand yeah. that you married your your middle school sweetheart. Can you share a little bit about your family? Yeah, absolutely. Um, let's see. My, my wife's name is Kristen. And like you said, we, we started dating in 1999 when uh, she was 13 years old and I was 14. Um, we dated on and off, you know, she broke up with me three times, if you can believe that. And uh, <laughs> finally in 2005, we got married and shortly thereafter, we had our first kid and then our second kid and our third kid and our fourth kid. And we are getting ready to have our fifth kid in like, I don't know, 12 weeks, I think. October 9th. Um, so I've got um, my oldest son is Corbin, and he's going to turn eight tomorrow. Can you believe that? Wow. Uh, so he'll turn eight years old tomorrow. And then I've got a daughter, Kate, who is six and a half. Um, a daughter, Nora, who is four and a half. And then I've got a son named Asher, who is like 20 months or something like that. I'm not sure. Um and so, man, we are so blessed. Our family is wild. The kids are so crazy. Um, I love it. We, we, our, our family's crazy, Brian. Um, but we have a lot of fun, and uh, I love them a lot. So <laughs> there you have it. That's great. You know, it, this wasn't in the, the questions that I sent you before. I hope it's okay sure. to ask. A lot, of, a lot of people, I think, are afraid of the idea of taking a child with them on a missions trip or on a long-term missions assignment. What's your experience been with having your kids there with you? Oh, man. Um, <clears throat> okay. 
it was really hard to be honest with you. It was a lot harder than I'd anticipated. Um, our, I really think, and I still do that our family is resilient. I think, you know, they've always grown up in ministry. And so ministry is crazy as it is. Um, I served at a church that was a, a traditional church and man, we, we worked hard and we were always going places. And so, I mean, Corbin and Kate, you know, being the older ones, like when we first had kids, I would just, when they were babies, we just lay them down on the floor and they'd go to sleep around all the youth. I was youth pastor. So all the youth were around laughing and carrying on and they were just sleeping through it all. And so I always thought they were resilient. Um, but moving down here, uh, it really proved to be, to be very difficult, um, especially for my oldest son, something that I had not anticipated um, to the degree that we had experienced it. Now, with, with that said, where we are right now, it's awesome. You know, we definitely fought through hardship and difficulty. Um, but, man, it has been such a tremendous joy to watch God work in my kids and, and we've done some hard things, moving away from grandparents and from their best friends. But they have become, they've come to a place where they've begun to flourish here. And it has been the joy of my wife and I to see them be used by the Lord in their, the schools. Corbin and Kate go to a local school here. Um, and so definitely hard, you know, but, but it was worth it. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. It was, it was sweet, um, hard, but, but definitely worth it. For, for them and our family. That's, that's cool. As, yeah. you know, one of the things I've discovered as I've been talking to people from you know, all over the world is that there's a, a, an incredibly wide range of missionary experiences, everything from people who are going to a, what we would consider a fully developed country to people who are living in the bush. Yeah. What's, what is your living situation is like? You know, how do you get around? What, what do you, where do you live? Well, that kind of stuff. Sure. You know, um, St. Kitts is a developed country. Um, it is not convenient like America, maybe, um, but it is developed. We've got roads. I mean, the house that I'm, I'm sitting in right now is, is an awesome home. Um, St. Kitts, they're, they're, I guess their main economy is tourism. Hmm. Um, and so if, you know, we've got cruise ships we're coming close to a million passengers every year come by St. Kitts wow. on cruise ships alone. Um, uh, they're, they're getting ready to come to that. And so we've got normal roads, uh, electricity. I've got the internet, obviously. Yeah. Um, I've, I can get 4G cell phone service. Um, but we have power outages pretty commonly. Um, different things like that. Sometimes you have water shortages because we live on a very, very small tropical island. Mm. Um, but right now, like these last two years, it's been drought. But we get around. I've got a minivan. I have a Honda Odyssey of sorts. It's a Japanese because you drive on the other side of the road here uh, from the United States, at least. So this is a former British colony or a a collectivity of of Great Britain. So they drive on, you know, that side of the road. Um, But, you know, our our life is, is not so different. I mean, we're definitely in a different culture, a different group of people, though they do things differently. But um, it's not all that different from where I've come from, to be honest with you, like a small town, Indiana. Yeah. That's interesting. Before yeah. we uh, started connecting, I'd never even heard of the Island of St. Kitts, which right. potentially either shows that I don't know much about the world or that I've never been on a cruise in the Caribbean. I'm not <laughs> sure which, uh, yeah, right. but it's, it's really interesting to hear about the different places that people live and the, the kinds of sure. things that are going on. One of the things I've also discovered is that 
uh, most of the time when missionaries leave the U.S. or wherever their home is, that they sell or give away most of the things that they have. So when you come back to the States, how, how do you get around it? You, do, do you borrow a car? What, what does that look like? Yeah. Um, you know, we, we were sent out by um, my home church, which is a, is a Horizon Christian Fellowship, which is a part of Calvary Chapel. Um, and that whole network of churches and so on. And so um, Horizon back in Indy is, is, a, is a larger church. And they've sent out, like, I think almost 31 different missionaries in the 25 years it's been around that serve full time and then planted various churches. And so they've got a mission house. They have like a, a mission van. So when missionaries come back, I mean, we, you know, we really get spoiled. Um, so they have vehicle, a vehicle for us. Um, we're getting ready to go back, actually, in about 20 days. Um, to have to deliver the baby. Yeah. Oh, okay. And so, yeah, we we have that. We're we're very well taken care of by our by our church family back back in the states. And I we grew up, my wife and I, about um, an hour away from where our church is in Indianapolis. Hmm. So we're we're located pretty central to family, uh, both you know relatives and blood, and also our church family. That, that's great. Uh, the church that I attend, we try to do the same kinds of things for the missionaries that we've sent out. So it's really encouraging to hear that there are other places that do that. Um, oh, that, that to me is very exciting. As you think about your life and your ministry, is there maybe a meaningful quote or a scripture that's kind of formed a foundation for how you approach life and ministry? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, there's, there's, it was hard for me to come up with because there's so many different ones. Um, <laughs> formative one, that the Lord really used early on when I was, when I just started really walking with Jesus and kind of understanding what it meant to follow Jesus, um, was Psalm 46, 10. And it says, be still and know that I am God. And there were so many times it was like when that verse first came up, it was a very tumultuous time in my life. Actually, my, my wife, had just ended everything with me. And I had plans of getting engaged to her and so on. It's a long story. Um, but I was a broken, broken, broken man. Um, things were very difficult. And the, and the Lord uh, really brought me through it by that verse. And, and I always translated it. The Jordan translation was just, <laughs> God was just like, Jordan, shut up. Don't you know who I am? And it, and it was, it was so sweet. Because God took care of everything. Obviously, here I am, you know, 10 years later, I'm married to her. Um, and so that's been something because things have been hard. I mean, no, nothing has come very easy for us um, as far as just getting places, I feel like. And so, the Lord, so many different times we've had to go back, my wife and I, and just be quiet and just sit before the Lord and let him be him and stop worrying and so on. So that's really been a foundation for how we've approached difficulties and challenges that we face throughout just life and marriage or with kids or in ministry. That's good. As one of the things I've also discovered is that it seems like in life, a lot of times we get what I call the Facebook effect where we look around and it looks like everybody else's life is puppies and kittens and rainbows and unicorns. And I've found that hearing about challenges and struggles helps us not only to connect with people, but also sometimes to learn from those experiences. Do you have a challenge or maybe a failure, a time that you can share from your life? Uh, What, what happened in that time? And then also what God did in that time? (sighs) Absolutely. Um, I can think of a time, it was about a year ago when we first got here, Brian and I, I mean, our first year here on this island was absolute misery. Um, and that was 
after a year of absolute misery. Um, And so we had two years back to back that were, that were probably two of the hardest years we've ever experienced. Um, Getting to the Island and was, was totally impossible. Um, We had no money. Uh, We had nothing. And we, um, we, we owned a home and we closed on our home two days before we moved here to the Island. Um, and so at the end of the day, God took care of every last thing, right? Be still and know that I am God. Okay, God, you did it. Yeah. But man, was it rough. Um, and then coming here to the island and we had ideals, we had thoughts, we had vision, we had this is what we're going to do. And really nothing took shape. Nothing took shape. It was a year of failure where ministry didn't happen. Um, our marriage was rough, rough, rough. Um, we were kind of just in our house all the time, you know, which was very different from what life was like back in the States. I was working 50, 60 hours at church and then I'd come home and we'd have people at house, you know, the different youth and so on. And so now all of a sudden our life comes to a screeching halt on an island that's a tropical island where you come to vacation, where their motto is rush slowly. And now we, we've kind of been thrown into here, this fast paced American family living in a very island time. And man, did it do a number? It was good. (laughs) It ended up being good. I I can sit here now and tell you that we're in a very, very good place. Um, but our first year was total failure. We were so excited to get here because our, that, that year getting here, we're just like, Oh, let's just get to St. Kitts. Just get to St. Kitts. We get to St. Kitts and it's like, Oh, this is bad. And so what I expected to be, you know, trumpets and like the glory of God just shining down when I stepped foot on this island, that wasn't quite what we had. So, yeah. so what did you do to get through that time? You know, when you face those challenges or those, those failures, um, were there any things that you did to remind yourself of God's promises and, and what was going on? Oh, absolutely. Brian. We had, we had, um, compiled like a list of, of everything that God had spoken to us to get us here. Um, different verses that he had said, uh, circumstances, people speaking into our lives and so on. Um, and my wife and I would have to go through that on a pretty regular basis to remind us that God had spoken and that he's able to do exactly what he's asked of us, you know, and he's able to see that be accomplished in our lives. And it was, it was just impossible. Us getting here was impossible. Once we were here, we find ourselves just kind of floundering. But I'll tell you what happened is God, I mean, you know the truth, God was humiliating me um, in a good way um, and just bringing me to an end of myself to like, I can't do ministry here apart from the work and the movement of God's spirit. Like I just can't, I need Jesus so desperately and that, that year of, of floundering, like I, I felt like the Lord really broke me of just pride and thinking that I, I can come down here to this island and make a difference by myself, if you understand what I mean. Oh, yeah. Um, and, and just even within my own, my own marriage and being a father, like I just failed as a father. I failed as a husband. I failed as a ministry leader just in just floundering. And so God used that, right? He, he refined us and man, is it still happening? Of course, I'm still being refined and I'm, I'm, I'm a mess sometimes, you know? Um, but yeah, God did a work. He, um, he, he brought us through it 
and we're sitting now today at a really sweet spot. So that's great. With that, we are going to go ahead and take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to shift our focus from talking about you to learning more about the ministry. All right. Take your leadership to the next level. It's time for the Engaging Missions Leadership Minute. Hi, this is Scott McClellan with your Leadership Minute. Going to come at you here with another quote. Hopefully these things are helpful. I know they have been for me and are for me. Success has many fathers, but failure remains an orphan. This quote uh, can be traced back in various forms to a guy, I think it was a guy, named Tacitus in the year 98 AD. It's an idea that's been around for a while. Success has many fathers, but failure remains an orphan. Why do we find it so difficult to accept responsibility for failure, but we clamor for being recognized for a big win or something that goes right? I think that's what they're trying to say here. This same quote's been revised over the ages and recently, as recent as the last century, was used by then-President Kennedy during the Bay of Pigs incident, which was a colossal failure. They say when you bear the weight of failure that you're manning up, but I don't really think it has anything to do with gender. Also, I don't think this challenge is one we're going to overcome instantly or easily or in like flipping a switch. Likely, this challenge is overcome by degrees. Even so, it's better to face the fact of failure and weakness head on. Uh, not to be prolonged unnecessarily or, you know, hiding from things we've done wrong, dodging our responsibility. It's uncomfortable accepting responsibility for failure, but it's very necessary, especially if we intend to grow in responsibility. I've heard it said, and I believe it, until you're willing to accept responsibility for failure, you're not ready to accept responsibility for success. This is Scott McClellan with your Leadership Minute. Thanks for tuning in. If you'd like to contact me or us, please do so at fxmissions.com or on most social media channels at fxmissions. Have a good one. This has been the Engaging Missions Leadership Minute. If you have a leadership question, send it to feedback at engagingmissions.com. That's feedback at engagingmissions.com. All right. We are back with Jordan McGay. We spent the last few minutes getting to know a little bit about him and his family, but now we're going to shift our focus to the ministry that they have going on. So first, Jordan, you were, you were a youth pastor and a teacher. Now you're a missionary in the Caribbean. How did you get from one place to the other? How did that happen? Oh, okay. Um, let's see. I served alongside a guy named Brandon Grayson and um, for about five years, he was a high school youth pastor and I was junior high. And uh, we were the best of friends. We got married about the same time. Um, we were all the same age, you know, and so we became really good friends, his wife and my wife, so on. And um, we actually had a guy in our church who was from St. Kitts. And <clears throat> Brandon wanted to take the high school youth group on a missions trip 
and happened to ask this guy. They kind of became friends after an altercation during a basketball game. <laughs> they ended up being friends, you know, kind of funny how God works. But um, so he's like, hey, man, come down to the island where I grew up. We can do some stuff there. And so that was the first time I had ever heard of St. Kitts. I didn't know that it existed. I didn't really even know what the Caribbean was. You know, I knew like Jamaica. That's about the only place I know is Jamaica and Haiti. Mm-hmm. Um and so where is St. Kitts? So he goes down. That was in 2007. Fast forward to 2011. He's gone. He moved there then or moved here then. And I'm getting ready to take my first missions trip to St. Kitts to go visit them and to go do some work, you know, alongside of them. And I can remember I was driving to work and the Lord had just given me this vision kind of out of nowhere. He like downloaded I don't know how it is. I always relate it to <laughs> Matrix. He just gave me this, this thought. I just had a thought in my mind about ministry here on the island, seeing the gospel go throughout the whole of the West Indies, which is what this area is considered, the West Indies, um, starting kind of south of Puerto Rico all the way to Venezuela. Just north of that is uh, Trinidad and Tobago. And so these islands down here, in a lot of ways, people just, um, they're, they're where you go on vacation. And there's not a lot of missions going on down here um, at all in the Caribbean. There, there certainly are those who are down here, but to come and to do church planting and so on, there's just not a lot of work happening down here in this part of the world, probably primarily because the island that I'm sitting on right now is a very Protestant, very religious area. But more on that later, I suppose. Um, so long story short, man, um, I go down to the island and God begins to develop a burden on my heart for this place. Um, something that I really wrestled with because it's gorgeous here. I'm surrounded by like right now I can look out and see the Atlantic Ocean and the Caribbean Ocean or the Caribbean Sea. And it's just gorgeous. And so, Lord, is this really your call? Would you really call me to go serve alongside my best friend on a tropical island surrounded by the ocean? <laughs> it's gorgeous everywhere. You know, and everybody's kind of like, oh, yeah, you're going to go to St. Kitts, huh, and serve the Lord. (laughs) Yeah, man, like that's where the Lord's calling us. And so I really did wrestle with it for probably a year and a half. I kind of pushed it away, and I wouldn't take it seriously until, I mean, the Lord just grew a burden in my heart um, to where I I eventually went to my pastor. and I was like, listen, I've got to share this with you. Like the Lord's doing a work in my heart for this island, you know, and and I can no longer kind of just deny it. Like I think He's calling me there, you know, and that now that began the whole process. I I, I kind of just boarded it out to my pastor. Like I need I'm supposed to go make disciples in St. Kitts, and he said, "Let's do it, Jordan. That's awesome. Like let's go." I was like, "What? Oh my gosh! Okay." And so that began the journey of praying and of preparing, and and now I'm here about a year and a half later, serving here. So, so I suspect that as you're preparing to go, that you probably have to pick up a few skills that weren't part of your tool bag. If you think about like being a youth pastor and a teacher, what kinds of things did you have to learn before you left? Oh man. Um, I got to sit down with, uh, Troy Cooper, who you had on your show. Yeah. uh, And I just got to, to sit with him and he and his wife mentored my wife and I, in, in disciple making and, um, you know, church planning and, and so on like that and T for T. And so, I mean, a lot of what I learned 
growing up in, you know, Calvary Chapel and in Horizon and being able to sit under my, my pastor, Bill Goodrich, I just got to watch him serve people. And I got to watch him just meet needs and love people in, in a way that was astounding. I, w- I was so, so blessed to be able to be on staff there for the seven years that I was there. But there's a lot to learn about moving out on your own and doing missions in a place that, you know, there's no foundation necessarily. And so I go from working at a church that had 25 years of investment, 25 years of prayer and plowing hard and fruit being reaped and harvest being so on to a place where there was nothing. So here all of a sudden I've got to plow and um, we just had an opportunity to, to really for my wife and I to pray and to seek the Lord together for a vision of our own, which we hadn't had before. Huh. Um, we would kind of we would sit under and 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 submit. Here we are, you know, to serve the youth of this of that particular church. And now as God is moving us on, it's it's like our own vision, you know. And it's we're not necessarily sitting underneath anybody. Um, although I, I serve alongside Brandon Grayson as a pastor of the church that I help you know serve at, and so I sit under him in that way. Um, but then the Lord's brought us down here for, for a very specific purpose. Um, and so that, that was something we had to learn. Like, how do I operate and work in a vision of my own? God has entrusted my wife and I with a vision and a burden. Okay, here we go. You know, like, this is it. This is real. That's good. What what exactly is it that you do? I, I know that you help the the pastors and the, the church <laughs> leadership to make disciples and to cast vision. But what does what does that look like? Can you bring it down to the ground level for us? Oh, absolutely. We have been able to um, coordinate with churches here on the island, and and to give you a quick snapshot of Saint Kitts. Yeah, it is predominantly a Protestant nation. It is a very conservative, very religious area. I would, I would, it's probably not a whole lot different than the, the Bible Belt in America. I come from a pretty small town. In fact, the county that I grew up in has about the exact same population as this island. Hmm. Um, and so it's very small town feeling at times. Um, something I really appreciate and, and love about this place. But this, this, St. Kitts is like going back in time 30 years. Um, culturally, uh, and so in, in that way, it's very refreshing. And so what we have is a, is, is a church at large that has proven to be extremely ineffective at reaching the lost. Um, there has been a huge gap where you have the church that mostly stays to themselves, and then you have people who are lost, and there isn't outreach. There isn't discipleship happening. There's just, let's go to church and let's sit and listen to the pastor preach and let's go home and live our life however we really want to. And so the burden that we came down here was to like really be able to equip these people and and move these churches to reach the people of this island because there's a lot of other people trying to do that very thing. There's a very strong Jehovah Witness movement down here. Hmm. Very, very strong, very um, concerted effort that they make every day to go make rounds. And the church is doing like really not very much against like false teaching and so on. There's a just a lot of different groups that are down here working very hard. Um, and they, they don't hold truth. They don't have the gospel of Jesus. They don't have what will bring life. And so it's like, church, come on, wake up. You know, you guys are in a good place as a nation still. 
let's reach the lost people of this island. So we've been able to um, coordinate with some different churches. And like I said, the first year we were here was to, was just a it was hard failure. And having come back after being in the States for just a little bit, the Lord has been able to bless. We've been able to work with some churches and do some trainings and enable us to equip these people to go out um, door to door on a house of peace search to do Bible studies, um, to be able to really engage the people of this island, um, to, to see multiplication of health, healthy disciples and healthy churches. And so um, it's, it's about as simple as talking with pastors, talking with lay people, investing, doing Bible studies, training people, um, sitting down and just hanging out with other people, and then seeing them go and, and begin to engage in missions like they've never done before, that they see a vision that there are so many people, thousands and thousands of people on this island that are going to go to hell if they don't meet Jesus Christ and repent and turn to him and and for them to see that for them to have their eyes opened up like that's what we're here for like to to let them see this vision to go out and begin to obey the things that Christ has commanded us to do as as his followers you know as you were sharing that i think i caught a, a little bit of a glimpse of the passion that fuels what you do can you share a little bit more about what drives you what what it is that uh gives you the strength to continue going when things get tough oh absolutely we I, I love to see people get it, and I love to see people when the light bulb clicks on, and like they they recognize that what Jesus has called us to do is so simple, it's so easy, and I think sometimes we can make it something that it isn't. Um, that how can I, as a person, make a difference in someone else's life? Or, but here's the thing. Jesus has called us to make disciples. It's so simple to love people, to be able to take them to the word and just teach them and to see them to go and love other people, to share God's word with them and so on. And what I find here in maybe Christianity at large, but you know, here on the island especially, is people are pretty content to do nothing. Um, and, and I know that can be certainly something that I'm tempted with as a Christian. Like, I, I'm saved. I'm good. I can go ahead now and just enjoy all this. But when people see that there are those who are lost and that God has called them and equipped them, given everything they could ever need to do this, that God is so worthy of, of my life being poured out on behalf of others. Oh, it's the most rewarding thing um, to see churches rally around and want to see lost people know Jesus. Um, and so that makes my heart beat. I love being able to meet with people and share vision with them, to invite them in to the vision right now. Um, we're, we're working on and, and sharing with different pastors and seeing if we can reach every single household here in St. Kitts in two years, that every single house on this island would hear the gospel of Jesus Christ and have an opportunity to, for someone to come in and, and study God's word with them, to train them, to equip them, to go to their neighbors, and so on. And so that's happening. Like we're kind of right in the midst of it. It's in its infant state. It's definitely something for listeners to pray for. Um, but you can see momentum building. You see people trying to like, they're, they're getting this like, wow, like God could really do this, can he? He did it in Asia in two years, two million people. God can do it here in St. Kitts. You know, why not? And so that's happening. And that's, that's an exciting part of us being down here right now. 
Wow. I could, I could keep asking you questions about this kind of stuff all night, uh, but we're actually <laughs> going to have to draw this section to a close in just a second. But before we go, if you don't mind, I'd like to ask you, if you could pretend that there's a typical day of ministry, what would that day involve for you? Oh, okay. That, that can vary so much. Yeah. Um, you know, we, um, I think missionaries, as, as far as like what we do, it's, it's a very unconventional. I do not have an office job nine to five. Um, and so a lot of what we do is initiative, um, going out and meeting with people, prayer walking, um, meeting with different pastors. So we do like trainings. There are some things that I do um, alongside of Caribbean Christian Fellowship, the church that I serve at, and what would be our home church here, where we go to juvenile detention centers every Friday, um, Bible studies, we get into the prisons. <clears throat> That's like general what we do on a daily basis. Oh, it just depends. Um, we get up, hang out with Jesus, and then um, go meet with people. <laughs> so much of it is just meeting with people. But I found even down here, life is very different. And um, I-, I found myself doing a lot of laundry, um, doing work around here to help my wife out. Um, things that I, I never really did in the States. Um, slight, life is, is different and so slow here in a sense that like, I don't know, just time here at home. I, I have a lot more time with my family, a lot more time here at home um, to where I can help out and things like that. So I don't know if that answered your question very well. Oh, that's great. I just wanted to kind of get some flavor of, of what that looked like. Sure, yep. With that, we are going to go ahead and take another quick break. And when we come back, we're going to shift our focus one last time. We've been talking to Jordan, learning about him and the ministry, but now we're going to shift our focus to you as the listener. Let's talk about how you can share your thoughts and questions with me and the rest of our community. Whether you have a comment, request, or suggestion, I'd love to hear from you. Of course, you can always leave your thoughts in the comment section of the show notes page, or if you have something else that you'd like to share a little bit more privately, you can send that to me at feedback at engagingmissions.com. Again, visit the show notes page or send an email to feedback at engagingmissions.com. And with that, we're going to move right along with our interview. All right, we are back with Jordan McGay. Thanks so much for sticking around. We've spent a few minutes learning about him and the ministry, what God's been doing in his life. Now we're going to shift our focus and we're going to start drawing from the experiences and the insight that Jordan has because of his ministry. We're going to shift our focus to you. So Jordan, what would you say to somebody who they're, they're called into the marketplace as most of our listeners are, and uh-huh. they're starting to wonder if what they're doing in business really matters in the kingdom. Huh? Okay. I mean, my first thought is Paul was in business. Um, I know, I mean, he, he made tents, right? Yeah. So, I mean, I think the, the early church was, was moved. We read about the apostles. We read about the disciples there in the book of Acts. We get Paul's letters, his epistles. But the, the gospel was moved by marketplace people. That, that was the bulk of the spread of the gospel was done through, through your everyday average person. Um, and so, man, if they're wondering if, if what they're doing matters, like that's how the kingdom was built was through marketplace people. And so I would say, man, don't be listening to any lies from the enemy. Like God has positioned you in a place perfectly. This is how he moves. This is how he reaches people. He sticks 
us, his redeemed, into the lives and into the situations of lost people so that we can be the voice, so that we can be the ones that say, hey, can I talk to you about Jesus? What are your religious beliefs? You know, so on and so forth. I know some some workplaces might not allow that kind of back and forth. I don't know. But, oh, what a sweet opportunity. I'll tell you, there's sometimes I wish that I, I had an opportunity to be amongst so many lost people, having been working in a church and, and in church-related ministry. I guess you could say I'm like a professional church guy or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> um, but I don't have that opportunity as much. I have to be very intentional to make those things happen, um, which is a very important thing to do. Obviously, now that I'm a missionary, I'm around a lot of lost people. Um, but God has given you guys a, a platform to reach more lost people than your pastor will ever reach. And so use it, take that opportunity and go because God's, God is using you guys. So I just want to encourage them, um, to, to be obedient and, and to, to go and speak and to make a difference there in their workplace. What would you recommend as sort of a first step if you realize that God is calling you to minister in the marketplace or in the, the grocery store, wherever God's calling you to, to minister? What, what would be one of those first steps that you'd recommend for someone? Um, the, I would write down names. I think I would, I would think about who God has given to me. I mean, uh, the guy who works next to me or, I mean, whatever the situation might be, the marketplace the place that you work is the field. That's the, the area that God has given you. And it is barren. There has been no seed sown. And so start sowing. Start praying for your workplace people by name. Write it down. What I would do, and I have, it, I have a journal that I keep um, and, and so on. My Bible and my journal are always together. And they're always with me. Um, and I have just lists of names Um uh, I, just so I can pray for him, that I go through. That's something that I can do daily where I can begin to pray for my friends that God or my, my work people, that God would use me to reach them. That's a, that's a, that's a really good prayer that God would use you to reach them. That's a prayer that I think God would want to answer. And so very first step, it's, it's simple, but it's probably one of the hardest things I found to do personally as a missionary or just as a follower of Jesus is to really pray and pray and pray and pray for lost people. But it starts with that. It's bathed in prayer. It ends with prayer. And so as a first step, write the names down and pray would be my advice. You know, it's interesting that you share that because as I think about the people that we pray for regularly, most of Mm -hmm. them are close to God, not far from God. We probably Mm -hmm. spend most, if not all of our time praying for people that already know Christ. Right. So that's an interesting challenge for me. I'm going to have to take that one away. So thank you very much. I I really do appreciate that. What would you share with someone who's looking up and they're realizing that the the face of the nation, if you will, is beginning to change? As I think about (laughs) our region, I live outside of Nashville and over the last 10 to 15 years, we've gone from basically a 5% non-U.S. population to about an 11 or 12%. And a lot of that is refugees. So so as I look at my neighbors, you know, my neighbor across the street came from, from Africa, my neighbor from mm-hmm. my next door neighbors from Zimbabwe. If I looked up one day and went, oh my goodness, I'm surrounded by people that I thought only missionaries talked to. What would you share with somebody who's going through that? Oh man, I would say praise God. I, but beneath me, um, beneath my house, my neighbors, um, I've got three guys from Jamaica 
a guy from Trinidad. Before them, I had a person from Australia, Scotland, and Ireland. Um, the church that we go to, we have people that are from Nigeria, from Haiti, from Puerto Rico, from the United States. And so, uh, gosh, I've got a neighbor who's Russian. Um, and th- this, is, this is awesome. I mean, just think about all the different countries God could reach just through one guy, one person, you know, from you, you, I mean, Brian, in theory, you could reach Zimbabwe through your neighbor, right? Yeah. And so, and so this is exciting. And so if you, if you look up and you realize I'm surrounded by different cultures, here's, here's what I've done because here in St. Kitts, it is, there are so many different cultures that are here. It's, it's a blast. I absolutely love it. There, there's a, a large Indian population an Asian population. And like I said, lots of different people from lots of different places. And I get to interact with them on a daily basis. And so I, I came from, you know, about as homogeneous as it gets in small town, Indiana, right? And now I'm to this country where, oh my goodness, I'm interacting with multiple countries every day. So it, here's the thing. It is so much fun to get to know about other countries. And, and I love it because my, my neighbors downstairs, tell me about Jamaica. What's Jamaica like? This is what I've always heard. Cool run-ins. Do you guys say mom every time talk? <laughs> yeah, man. And they really do. They really say mom. Yeah, man. What's going on? Man? You know, I love it. It's a blast to talk with them. And so you have neighbors that miss home. They were from Zimbabwe. They're from wherever it might be. And they love to talk about home. I love it when people ask me about where I'm from because I miss my home. And so I want to talk about it. And that's a perfect place to start, a perfect place for you to begin a relationship with your neighbors that will lead to be able to share the gospel, to disciple them, to see them come to know Jesus. It's just simple questions about where they're from, how'd you get here, so on and so forth. Go and talk to them. Introduce yourselves, you know, that stuff. It's a blessing that we get to, to have other people from other countries at this point. And I don't know why they're here. It doesn't matter why they're here, but, hey, they're here. So take advantage of it. Save a plane ticket and go across the street, right? Yeah. Is there an Internet resource, maybe something that you use and could recommend for our listeners? Um, you know I, I guess something I use, I love to study the Bible and I, I have to prepare messages, you know, I get to. And so this is probably, maybe it's well known or not, I don't know, but I use Blue Letter Bible every single day of my life. Um, it's blueletterbible.com or .org, I don't know which it is. Um, but it, it allows you to just study, there's commentaries, you can look at the Greek words and the Hebrew words and so on. It's a phenomenal um, tool for studying God's Word. For you personally, being able to, to sit down and understand what the Lord was speaking and, and, and what he was saying, um, just to encourage you, I guess, in your own personal walk. Um, but you can take the things you learn and you get to share those with other people as God begins to move in your heart. And so, um, you know, that's about all I could think of, Brian, was blueletterbible.com. Oh, that's I, great. I think it's .org, but I, I mean, I personally love it, so... Okay, yeah, and I'll make sure for, for those of you who are listening that that will be linked up in the show notes, which will be at Jordan, I'm sorry, at engagingmissions.com slash Jordan MCG. McGay is a little tough to spell, so we're going to go with Jordan MCG. Uh, yep. Jordan, one other question about that. Is there a book that you'd recommend for our listeners? Oh, man. Um, there, there have been, I think, two books in my life, maybe three that have really, um, 
been formative in how I do ministry and even my relationship with Jesus. Um, the first one is a book uh, entitled Jesus Among Other Gods, and it was written by Ravi Zacharias, who's one of my favorite uh, teachers or speakers. He's a Christian apologist, um, an incredibly intelligent and gifted man. Um, but he wrote a book, Jesus Among Other Gods, that just looks at the glory and the uniqueness of Jesus. And man, it is a book that will make you praise him and want to follow him and worship him and share him with others. And so I'd encourage you, if you're up for a good read, man, it's one of those books where you have to reread sections over and over again because he's, he's an intelligent guy. But it, it, is a, it is a book that makes me want to worship. Um, another book that I have read is the, uh, is the Bonhoeffer book. Have you, have you heard of that, Brian? Um, I can't think of the title, but I'm familiar with Bonhoeffer. Yeah, it's just Bonhoeffer is the book. It's it's written by Eric uh, Metaxas or however you say it. I don't even know how you say his name, but it was it was really good um, and really instructive for me just as far as um, how the church operates in in culture, in secular environment, and so on, and how we can um, how we like just the simplicity of, of following Christ, of sharing the gospel in the midst of, of crazy circumstances or whatever the world might be. And so it's a great read. Two books that I have loved and continue to go back to just, um, just for instruction because they're, they're just uh, inspiring books. That's great. Now, Jordan, we are almost done. We've actually used up just about all the time that we had allotted for this. Would you share with us maybe one last piece of advice and the best way for someone to connect with you? Then we'll say goodbye. Yeah, absolutely. I, I tell you, as um, the, the most important thing I think I could ever say or, or something that I wish that I really would have grasped, and I'm still absolutely grasping this, is... <clears throat> I think simply the importance of sitting down and just meeting with the Lord, getting quiet, turning my phone off, and just sitting with Him and reading through Scripture, um, having a things that I pray through, being able to just sit with Jesus and listen to Him. Um, we live in a very fast-paced world, Brian. I think maybe a lot of your audience being businessmen and women and in and, and leadership positions— Life is a thousand miles an hour. Um, but man, there's a king that wants to meet with me every day and every morning, you know? And so sit, take the time and do it and enjoy meeting with the one who saved us, redeemed us, and let that fuel us and let that empower us to go out and engage a lost and dying world. And if you want to hear more about us, you can go to mcgmissions.com. Brian, you're on to something. McGay is way too hard. So we just shorted our website down to mcgmissions.com. Well, to be fair, you are talking to a guy whose last name is Ensminger, so I'm familiar with the nearly <laughs> impossible spelling. So, Jordan, thank you so much. This was an absolute blast. I really appreciate you being here. Yes, thanks, Brian. It was a pleasure. Here's a taste of what's coming up on the Engaging Missions show. Yeah, one of the things also that brought us back from Mexico to the U.S. that we just thought was uh, divine intervention and in him giving us his strategies is when you look at the book of Acts and Acts 2, 
one of the reasons that Jesus said, stay here, don't go make disciples of all nations yet. The main reason is because we needed his power. We needed the Holy Spirit. But he also said, do not leave Jerusalem until you're filled with power from the Holy Spirit. What was special about Jerusalem? It had people from all these tribe, tongues, people, and nations in one city. And so we felt like God was laying on our hearts to set up in cities that are very multi-ethnic, very international. What would happen if an awesome movement of God happened in Atlanta, in New York, in Chicago, in overseas places like Sydney and Bangkok? If God showed up in these Jerusalems, and then from there, the gospel would trickle out into all these different people groups since all the nations are gathered in these large cities. If you enjoyed that, you won't want to miss a single episode of the Engaging Missions show. Subscribe in iTunes or Stitcher to have it delivered automatically. Visit engagingmissions.com slash subscribe. That's engagingmissions.com slash subscribe. Thanks for listening to the Engaging Missions show. You can find more great content like this, along with show notes, by visiting engagingmissions.com or by subscribing to the show in iTunes or Stitcher. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us an honest rating and review in iTunes. Audio editing was provided by Jeff Butterworth of Sound Paradigm Studio. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll be back next week.